Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Let's get it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 33 if you get your good books. If not, just sit there, open up your ears, and I'll tell you about it. Uh, last week, we started talking about, uh, about what it means to be blessed by God. What is a blessing? Okay. Now, and it just, it just, it, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because, uh, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about worship. What does worship mean? What is the biblical definition of worship? And we used Abraham, Abraham and Isaac as an illustration that Abraham was told by God to go up and sacrifice his only son, the son that he loved, to take him up on a mountain and sacrifice him. And when Abraham was going up, he had a couple of servants, and he said, y'all wait here, me and the boy are going up to worship. He was going up there to sacrifice. Man, back then, when, when, when those people truly knew what worship meant, it meant sacrifice. And, and, G, and, and God knew ahead of time he really wasn't going to make Abraham uh, kill his son. What it was, it was a foreshadowing of what God would do, that God would sacrifice his only son, the son that he loved, as the final sacrifice because he loved us so much. Okay? So the, the biblical version of worship was uh, was sacrifice. And now we're talking about blessing. Last week we, we're, we, we talked about Abraham. We talked about Isaac. Now we're moving to Abraham's grandson and Isaac's boy, talking about Jacob. Okay, We're studying the life of Jacob. And um, Jacob was an interesting character to say the least. Okay, If you're a big fan of Peter in the New Testament, Jacob is your role model for the Old Testament. I mean, this guy was kind of a... He was kind of a swindler. He's kind of a horse trader. He's, I guess he's kind of a cowboy. But uh, we, we have one thing Jacob was good at is he knew the importance of a blessing to the extent that he stole his brother Esau's inheritance for a bowl of sheep stew. Now, why anybody would want to give up their inheritance for a bowl of sheep stew, I don't know. But anyway, he stole Esau's, Esau come in, and he's real hungry. He's like, hey, man, give me some stew. And he's like, give me your inheritance. He's like, fine, if I don't, I'm going to die. Esau might have been just a little bit dramatic. I don't know anybody like that. And so anyway, he says, I'll give you my inheritance. Give me some sheep stew. And so he gives him some, and then later on, uh, Jacob steals Esau's blessing. Isaac is going to bless Esau because Esau's the oldest. But Jacob does some swindling and tricks his daddy into blessing him instead of Esau. But when God blesses us, and we continue to talk about Jacob whenever he Esau gets mad and is going to kill him, so he has to run off to his his uncle's place, Laban, is like 500 miles away, and he has to work for like 20 years, seven years. He thinks he's getting Rachel. He gets hoodwinked and has to work another seven years for Rachel, and then he works an additional six. And, man, ain't none of us ever worked 20 years for, for a girl, I don't think. Some of us can't wait two years. He worked for 14 to get her. So, anyway... We talked about taking the outside, that, that, that part of being a cowboy is, is, is the blessing of being asked to take the outside. I mean, if you take the outside, if you're trusted with that, you've got to go further, you have to go harder, and you've got to never give up because everything kind of depends upon you. You're kind of the, the hinge pin 
uh, of a gathering, and and we talked about those three things in the in the life of Jacob of going further, going harder, and never giving up. So, what does a cowboy look like? What does a cowboy look like? Well, I think not. You know, sometimes we we go out into a pasture and there's a bunch of us, and it's really cool because all the cowboys are getting on their horses. Some of them are bucking, and we kind of like that thing as long as it's not us. And um, you know. It's just really cool, but most of the cowboy life is not that glamorous stuff. Most of the cowboy life is out there by ourselves when nobody's watching, when nobody nobody knows what you're doing. And I think a lot of you, a lot of you as Christians kind of feel that way, that you feel all alone, that nobody knows of the struggles that you're going through. Nobody knows the trials that you go through. But see, we do because that's just part of being a cowboy. You're, you're expected to do those things. Nobody asks you if you were comfortable or not. Nobody. We know it's cold outside. We know, it's, we know life is hard. But what does a cowboy look like? I was out working by myself at the ranch, and, and when, my, when my phone kind of dinged and said I had a, had a text message, so I pulled it out, and I opened it up, and it was Abe. And Abe sent me this text. He said, it's not a very good feeling. This is word for word. It's not a very good feeling when your pony, now when he says pony, save the cowboy, adopted, rescued a, a little uh, paint pony. Now, he's, you can rope off of him, and I mean, he's tagging calves on him. And a pretty cool little paint pony. And so he's been taking him and riding him and training him. And then we're going to sell him for like 25000 to one of y'all rich people. Uh, not any of y'all with, uh, with hats on. Y'all ain't got no money. It's those others that we're looking at. Uh, got a text from Abe that said, It's not a very good feeling when your pony leaves you high and dry while you're trying to tag twin calves with a really really mad mama and he didn't say mad that's the only part of the text it wasn't verbatim so you you just have to picture it y'all cowboys that's been there y'all y'all kind of giggling and and, and y'all others that hadn't been there man abe's out there and he ropes his calf and he goes out there and, and he's trying to tag it and mom you know, calf is like it's amazing what this sound right here will do to a mat to a mama cow bah. Something like that kind of sound like a sheep. It, they don't really sound like sheep. Sorry. I was trying to be, you know, kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> has PTSD from sheep. But anyway, when, when that baby calf makes that newborn calf sound, mama's hackles get up. And so she come after Abe, and Abe had to do some, some ninja cowboy moves. But Newt is just a little pony. Newt hasn't learned ninja cowboy moves. So the mama attacked Newt, and Newt said, see ya, and leaves Abe out there all by himself <laughs> with a mad mama. What does a cowboy look like? It looks like that a lot of times. It looks like that. What does a cowboy look like whenever his horse leaves? Like this. All the way back home, and if you've never done it, you ain't cowboyed very much because it happens. And, you know, cowboys are so graceful. You know what I mean? Have you ever noticed? Man, and, and, and especially like Abe and Ty and Sean and some of these other, Caleb and some of these other cowboys, man, they're just photogenic on a horse, right? You get them on land, they're, they're like a sea lion, they can't walk, they can't talk, they, you know, they got the high heels on, and 
shafts and they're trying to walk. They, they just don't do a very good job on land. They're a lot better on horseback, okay? But what does a cowboy look like? Man, sometimes it is out there all by yourself. Of taking the outside because you're the only one there. It's up to you to, to go harder, to go further, and never give up because it would be easy to give up. The great preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, once asked, what does a person that has truly met God, what does he look like? This mic is going to kill me. What does a person that has truly met God, what does he look like? He responded, he walks with a limp. He walks with a limp. Why? Because, see, Jacob, he swindled his brother out of his inheritance. He tricks his daddy into blessing him instead of his older brother. Then he goes and, and he gets Leah. Well, he didn't really want Leah, but he got her. He got Leah and he got Rachel. And then he wanted some pay, so his, his, uh, his uncle tells him, well, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll start giving you any spotted goats. So he does some stuff with, like, some tree bark. You ought to go read it. It's like in Genesis chapter 30, somewhere around in there. And, and he, he basically tricks the, the goats into having a bunch of spotted goats, and Laban finds out about it. So Laban's like, well, you can't do that. I'm going to keep the spotted goats. Now you take the striped goats. So he tricks the goats into having striped goats, and it, it, he does, Laban does his crawfishes on him about ten times, what the Bible says. But at the end, Jacob heads back home, 500 miles. He's got 11 kids now. He's got two wives. They've got servants, and I mean, it's just kind of, and, and, he, and he's basically rich with livestock, okay? He's got a bunch of livestock. He, he's a wealthy man, and he's heading back home. But guess who's home? Esau, his older brother, who's like Thor, you know? I mean, Esau's big, muscly. He's man's man, right? He can, you know, shoot a bow and arrow, you know, 100, 100 miles and kill an elk and, you know, big old guns on him. And he's just a man's man. And Jacob, he's just a scrawny cowboy. But he heads home and he sends a servant. He says, hey, man, uh, go find my brother Esau. And, uh, let him know I'm coming and that, that I'm good, man. Wait, I don't want no trouble. I don't want no trouble. The servant comes back, and, and, and Jacob says, do you find my brother? He said, yeah. He said, what did he say? He said, he didn't say nothing. He's coming with 400 warriors. Uh-oh. Looks like Esau hasn't forgotten what Jake did to him. So anyway, he's, he's camped there, and he, he's got a couple of camps, and Jake goes off to be by himself. And that night, something happens to him. He meets God face to face. Now, now the Bible, when you read it in Genesis chapter 32, man, it's, it's a real short deal. And it said that Jacob wrestled with God all night long. Now, what happened is, for some reason, here, God is walking by Jake's camp. Now, Jake is praying, right? But instead of just answering his prayer, God walks up to him in human form. And Jake somehow knows that it's God. You know, Jake grabs a hold of him. God says, let me go. Jake said, I ain't doing it, not till you bless me. He holds on to God all night long and refuses to let go until God blesses him. Finally, sun's starting to come up. And God says, man, let me go. The sun's coming up. He said, not till you bless me. So God reaches down and dislocates his hip. Pow! He could have done that a long time ago. Shoot, he could have sm smited, smoted him. I don't know whooped him, I don't know, whatever the word is. He could have done that all night. 
But he wanted to see what Jake was made out of. What are you made of? What are you made of? You one of these that's going to grab a hold of God and not let go till God blesses you? Shoot. Most of us, man, we can't do nothing for more than about four minutes. We can't even pray without thinking about dog food and TV, much less wrestle with God all night long. But that's the kind of man that God wants you to be. That's the kind of woman that God wants you to be. He wants you to grab a hold of him and say, I ain't going to let go till you bless me. And finally, God snaps his femur out of joint. And you know what Jacob does? He hangs on still. See, a lot of us, man, we'll hang on until it gets real uncomfortable. And then we, know, we let go and give up and cry and whine and moan and bellyache and blame. And meh, 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 meh. not Jake, man. He, he grabs a hold of God. He said, I, you can dislocate my other hip, too. Well, he doesn't really say that in the Bible, but, I, you know, I think that's the kind of man he is. He's like, man, you can dislocate everything I got, but I ain't letting you go. Kill me or bless me, one of the two, because that's the only thing it's going to take to make me let you go, God. God says, what's your name? I love it when God asks a question that he already knows the answer to. What's your name? He said, my name is Jake. He goes, not anymore. It's Israel. What does a man look like that has come face to face with God? What does a man look like that has been truly blessed by God? He walks with a limp. Jacob grabbed a hold of God and wouldn't let go until God blessed him during the biggest trial of his life. His brother's coming to kill him and his whole family. He cries out to God, God shows up, and he ain't going to let go of God till God blesses him. And what happened? What happened was he was changed forever, both spiritually and physically, because he did. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. He could no longer strut around like a bandy rooster like he used to, because Jake was real full of pride, man. He, you know, he talked his brother out of his inheritance for some for some sheep soup and, 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 and tricked his daddy into getting the blessing. And then he did all that stuff with the goats to make himself rich. Jake was a pretty self-reliant individual. Had a, you know, cutest wife in, in four counties or something like that. Four countries probably because it's 500 miles. But what happened when Jake met God face to face? He said, I ain't going to turn loose of you till you bless me. I'm going to hold on till you bless me. Either kill me or bless me, one of the two. So God blesses him. Right then and there. And then here comes Esau. So Jake goes out there to meet him. He's like, well, great. You know, God didn't kill me, but my brother's fixing to. So he goes out there. And in Genesis chapter 33, verse 3, it talks about what happens to a man that has truly been blessed by God. Because this cocky guy becomes humble. Then Jacob went on ahead, and as he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Here's this man who was self-reliant, he was cocky, he was proud, he was uh, confident, arrogant, and he bows before his brother seven times. Not just once, not just twice. He bows before him seven times because Jake knew what kind of life he'd lived. He knew that he was kind of a no account. And so in the biggest trial of his life, after he's been blessed by God, after he limps out there to meet his brother, his pride turned to lowliness. His pride turned to lowliness. See, Jacob decided no longer was he going to blame his problems on anybody else. See, that, that's what happens when you come face to face with God. You quit blaming. You quit making excuses. You take responsibility for yourself. 
You get down and you bow seven times and you say, and I ain't talking about something that you got to go home and bow seven times, but I'm talking about the change of heart that takes place, that he had wronged Esau and he knew it and there's no way he could make it up, but he could humble himself and that's what he did before his brother. He humbled himself. He decided to take responsibility for his own actions, do we? Because see, that, that's the mark of pride in our life is when we blame other people for our actions. We blame other people for our emotions. Well, they made me mad. No, they didn't. You chose to get mad at it. Nobody can make you do anything. God isn't even going to make you do something. If he's going to make you do something, he'd make you accept Jesus Christ so we could live forever with him. But even then, he says, no, it's up to you. You have a choice. And pride always tries to talk us into somebody else is to blame. You don't have to take responsibility for yourself. What does a cowboy look like that's been truly blessed by God? He gives up pride and becomes humble, bows down seven times. The second thing that happens to a man that has truly been blessed by God, that comes face to face with God Almighty, is found in verses 10. Now see, what, what Jake does is he takes all, like a big portion of his wealth, and he goes to give it to Esau. He can't pay him back for everything he stole from him because Jake knows in his heart that the inheritance and the blessing from Isaac is more than all the money in the world. But Jake is a rich man now, and he tries to give Esau a bunch of stuff. And in verse 10, but Jake, uh, Esau says, man, I don't want your stuff. I don't want your stuff. But Jacob insisted, no, I, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. To see Esau welcomed him home with open arms. No, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief it is to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I have brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. What happens to a man that has been truly blessed by God? He goes from greedy to generous. And he also becomes thankful because he starts to see that this stuff didn't come from me. It came from God. And who am I to hoard something that has come from God? It was given freely to me, so I will give freely to others. See, selfishness is a self-inflicted wound with a poisonous blade. And here's the great mystery. Here's the great mystery of the Christian life, and a lot of Christians know it, very few practice it, is that in every aspect of your life, not just the one you're going to think about, in every aspect of your life, you can't outgive God. You give to others, and God's going to replace it with more, and maybe not in the same manner. I took a, and, and it's easy just to, to talk about money because people can understand that better than spiritual terms. I took a $100,000 pay cut seven years ago to come and start this. I don't think I've made 100000 since then, okay? But you can't, and I've never been richer than I am right now. I have more than enough. I think it's practice. If I ever do have money, I'll probably just give it away. So just get used to it, right? I love depending upon God. And that's what people don't understand is that you can't outgive him. You can't out give somebody and somebody says well what do you know I, I you're just asking for money i'm not asking for money if that's that important to you man take keep the stuff i don't care 
You want me to tell you what I want you to give? How don't, why don't you give somebody the benefit of the doubt? Give somebody the benefit of the doubt sometime. How about you start with yourself and work your way out? You can't outgive God, and a, and a cowboy that has come face to face with God will quit being greedy and trying to hold everything in and will just start giving himself to others. Man, how about give yourself to your spouse? Why don't you put the phone down? Talk to your kids. Man, that person that just cut you off, you don't know what they're going through. Maybe they lost their brother three days ago and their daughter this morning. You don't know. Man, we all need to grab a hold of God and quit being so prideful and arrogant. And we need to quit blaming everybody for the state of our lives and take responsibility and bow down seven times. Not because that's some algorithmic method that if we bow seven times, everything will be fixed. But as a result of the change in our heart. We need to go from being greedy to being generous, to quit being this selfish life. Man, we've all got that streak inside of us, man, that if you just let it go, you're going to be selfish. I am, or I've been in the past. I try not to be anymore, and it's an uphill battle. But that's what we need to go from pride to humility and go from greed to generous. And the third thing is found in Genesis chapter 33, 18 through 20. Later, so him and Esau are good, right? So Jake takes his family on in to Canaan. Later, having traveled all the way from padding around, padding around, I don't know, it's, that's what it looks like. I don't know how to pronounce it. Jacob arrived safely at the town of Shechem in the land of Canaan. There he set up camp outside the town. Jacob bought the plot of land where he camped from the family of Hamor, bought himself a little ranch, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver. Told you he's rich, man. And think about inflation, what it was 3,000 years ago. Man, that's, I ain't got 100 pieces of silver now. So he paid a pretty good deal for this ranch. He paid 100 pieces of silver, and then he did something. And I mean, some of you have read Genesis. I know you have. You started in Genesis and quit about three chapters into Leviticus. Don't, don't lie to me. I know you. That's what I did. But you've read Genesis. You, you've read the story of Adam and Eve, and you, and you read the story of Cain and Abel, and then you read the story of, uh, of Noah, and then you started reading the story of Abraham and, and Isaac, and now you're into Jacob. And in verse 20 it says, And there he built an altar and named it El Elohe Israel. Now remember, he's Israel. Okay? Israel is not a nation. His, that's his new name. Okay? God gave him a new name. Changed, it, changed uh, Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham, and he changed Jake's name from Jacob to Israel. But in verse 20, and there he built an altar. Why did he build an altar? Because he'd seen Abraham do it. He'd seen his daddy do it. And then he did it. See, an altar was somewhere where you made sacrifice, where you sacrificed bulls and goats and sheep. Why did he build an altar? So that the blood of bulls and goats could remind him that he couldn't do it on his own. He knew he couldn't save himself. That self-reliance that he had always depended upon, we can't, this is one thing that we can't do on our own. You can't change on your own. You've got to come face to face with God. And it's not really that we change in order to come face to face with God. The change is a result of the man that has come face to face with God. Because, see, that's the blessing. It says God blessed him. 
with a dislocated hip that he walked the rest of his life. Yeah, it changed Jacob. It changed his name. It changed him spiritually. He went from arrogant to humble. He went from greedy to generous. And now he's gone from self-reliance to worship to sacrifice because he knows that he can't do it on his own. And you, 3,000 years later, you can't do it on your own either, but you do have a choice. And there he built an altar and named it El Elohe Israel. Sounds real churchy, don't it? It's amazing what that is. Because you see, you go back and you read the story of Jacob. I'm giving you homework. Go back, read the story of Jacob. It starts like in, in chapter like 25 or 24 or something like that. Open your Bibles, read it, look for it. You don't need me to spoon feed you. Read that, and every time up until this point right here, every single time, Jacob always referred to God as the God of Abraham or the God of Isaac or the God of my father and my grandfather. Even when he made the pact with Laban where they wasn't going to try to kill each other, Laban had never heard Jacob say anything other than that. And he said, you call upon the God of your father and your grandfather, and I'll call upon my God, and we will never cross this line again, and we'll call it mutual. But for the first time, see, El Elohe, Israel, what it means is God, the God of Israel. He's not saying the God of Israel, the country as we know it. He's saying God, my God. Egon, what does it look like when a cowboy is truly blessed by God? It goes from being somebody, the God that Kevin talks about, to my God. My God. El Elohe Tai. El Elohe Abe. El Elohe Caleb. El Elohe Nick. El Elohe you. Is he your God? 